This is how we overcome it. Moving on, keep it up. Reaching to the world. Arms open, arms open, yeah. This is how we practice. Welcome back to Crazy Faith Talk. I'm Steve. I'm Sarah. And I'm Erica. So friends, we are in a fairly new series. We are in the series, Things That We Thought Were in the Bible, But Aren't. Uh, Last week, we took a look at God Helps Those Who Help Themselves. But where are we going this week? So this week, we are looking at something that I will say I've personally experienced this that phrase, that idea that people will often say, especially when bad things happen, well, if you would have just had more faith or if you would have just prayed more, then X would not have happened or X would have happened in in a different way. Um, It's that idea that for me, it it sounds almost like turning God into the genie, the vending machine that we've so often talked about here on this podcast. Um, That, you know, if you pray for something, X amount of times, then God is guaranteed to answer it in the way that you've prayed for it. Um, Or if you have enough faith, then, you know, then something will or will not happen because you have the right amount of faith. To me, in some ways, this feels like a slightly more pious sounding variation on the theme we looked at last mm-hmm. time that when people say god helps those who help themselves it can sound like you know in in anything in the field of in, of business or you know if, if you don't take initiative then god won't help you and but you're the thing you're supposed to do on your own doesn't have to look particularly religious this kind of sounds mm-hmm. like a religious variation on that of the thing that you want to have happen if you believed hard enough or prayed fervently for it enough then the thing that you wanted would have happened mm-hmm. um and it, and that again like we said last time uh, about God helps those who help themselves. I think part of the appeal of this thinking is that it gives us control or it gives mm-hmm. us a reason to think we have control and to explain why things happen or don't happen in the world. But at the same time, this this phrase or sentiment is, it comes after the bad thing has already happened. Often so, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. It, it's a moment where we didn't have control. Yeah. And but we're being blamed for the lack of control. Right. Mm -hmm. And yet I think part of what makes it appealing to slide into, whether I'm the one the bad thing happened to, or even more comfortable for me, if it's happened to somebody else and I blame them because they didn't have faith. And like that part of, in the end, what, why we keep coming back to this kind of thinking is that it is, it's simplistic. It, It allows us to imagine the world is simply explainable and that there's a clear and simple reason. Oh, well, the reason the bad thing happened to you is you didn't pray hard enough to avoid it or uh you didn't believe hard enough or you know what whatever um that like the god helps those who help themselves thinking it boils down to a world that is controllable on my terms and i may have failed but at least the universe works according to clockwork rules Mm -hmm. rather than there are some things that are not explainable there are some things that we don't have answers for it's the cheap way out of the problem of evil and the odyssey Right, right, right. And I think along the lines of what we said last time, too, that like, because we are so uncomfortable with the idea of a world where terrible things happen, and we don't have an explanation for it, we will settle for terrible explanations, because they're simple, and they make us feel like the world is easily explainable. To me, this feels like this is the whole conversation of the entire book of Job in the Old Testament as well, where terrible things happen to Job. And his three friends, after a week of just being quiet and mourning with him, decide to speak up and 
all they have to say for the bulk of that book, for about 30 chapters, rambling is taking turns with variations on either you must have done something wrong and that's why mm -hmm. God punished you or you didn't have the proper faith or, but again, blaming the victim and doing it in a pious way because they think they can't, they're, they're all uncomfortable with the idea that terrible things happen and yet God is good at the same time. They, they're so uncomfortable with that, the uncertainty and the mystery that that brings, they would rather have, uh, well, you must have done something wrong. You, you your, your prayers weren't effective or your faith wasn't solid enough. And I, I guess there's, there's a piece of me that I think pretty quickly when, when we, talk this way to other people it becomes clear yeah that you're, you're right it shouldn't we shouldn't blame people because the bad thing happened it must it, it doesn't seem right to blame them that their prayers weren't effective enough or they didn't believe hard enough or whatever and yet sometimes i think there are other other situations where we allow um a more subtle uh or or um rosy or smelling version of the same thinking into our talk about prayer and we don't realize it's the same bad theology just dressed up in a slightly different garb like um when you'll hear something good happen for somebody and then the immediate response is oh well we must our prayers must have made it happen you know like like it's easy to blame somebody when the bad thing happens uh say well you didn't pray hard enough the flip side is also dangerous territory too i think when the good thing happens or the cure comes or whatever and to immediately point out to it mechanistically as ah well we must have had enough people praying for it or we prayed fervently and that's why it happened um that again sort of rests the power from God and made it, well, our actions made this happen. We said the words right and mm -hmm. we believed hard enough. So I get what you're saying, Steve, and, and I'm not disagreeing with you, but then, you know, if we come at, it, at the opposite side from that view, then what is the purpose of us praying? <laughs> right. And, and honestly, like, I think <laughs> un unless our conversation about prayer at some point touches on that particular question, we've still got magical thinking going on like uh, like yeah. because honestly i think uh we we so easily turn prayer into um we turn it into like the pledge drive for public television we got to get enough people praying or else mm -hmm. it won't happen like and honestly i think i've heard lots and lots and lots of sermons and preaching and teaching that turn prayer into the heavenly pledge drive you know we need more people to pray and then when then if we get enough people to pray ah see look what we did we made it happen because we had mm -hmm. enough people praying on it um and i will also own this is part of my own tradition as a lutheran christian um, but when Luther talks in the small catechism about uh, he's he's talking about the, the Lord's Prayer uh, as, as a starting point place. And at every point he'll do uh, he'll, he'll make the similar move like he'll say, um, OK, what does it mean to pray your kingdom come? And he'll stop and he'll go. God's kingdom is going to come one way or another, whether we pray for it or not. But we pray mm -hmm. in this prayer that it would come among us and with us and in us and through us rather than in spite of us. And it does the same thing with what does it mean to pray your will be done? God's will is going to get done whether we pray for it or not. Um, and then even down to things like give us today our daily bread. Luther then will go on to say... God gives daily bread to everybody already, always, even to all evil people, whether they prayed for it or not. But we pray in this prayer that we would recognize what is our daily bread and sort of realize mm -hmm. that relationship. So, like, I'm willing to live in that place of prayer is not about magically making God do what I want. It may be more about realigning my will or my perspective around what God's up to in the world, or it may be about recentering how I see that relationship. Um, but I get, at least personally, I get 
my my Lutheran spider sense starts tingling when the language becomes, see, we prayed hard enough, we made the thing happen. Because that, again, makes it sound mm -hmm. like God had to be persuaded to be kind or generous or gracious, and that had enough people not spoken up, God wouldn't have done the thing. Um, and I'm not sure, well, I, I, I don't know that. Uh -uh. I'm... I mean, to be fair, isn't that in the Bible? Like, doesn't God at one or Jesus at one point say that our prayers should be like in like do that to continue to like bug God mm -hmm. until God does the thing? Like it's um with the unfair judge and the widow. Right, right, yeah. right. Although again, like there the, the the point seems to be one of contrast of like if this if if even this unjust judge eventually gives in. So you just keep banging on the door. Um, yeah. But I, I guess I think the, the it's, it's, it's a misreading of that parable to say that God is like the unjust judge and that God is a curmudgeon, but more to say how much more God who isn't a curmudgeon should we keep on praying? But I guess I think <laughs> I get nervous when we treat it sort of mechanistically, like our prayer sets into motion that God has to do the thing. Because again, I, th I think there's a number of mistakes that makes. One, it suggests that God is unaware of our need and needs us to say things out loud uh, to either bring it to the divine attention or that we need enough people to tip the scales in our favor mm -hmm. when I don't get any sense from the scriptures that that's how it works, that it's quantifiable. Um, I like when I when I hear that story that you mentioned, the unjust judge parable, the, the point to me seems to be if God is is anything better than that terrible jerk of a judge, then of course God is worthy of us bringing our concerns to whatever it is, because God isn't like a jerk of a judge who has to be persuaded mm -hmm. by repeated petitions over and over and over again. And yet, if the person with a jerk judge knows that her thing, her the thing she's supposed to do is keep bringing it in God's face and keep asking, keep talking, yeah, I should keep talking. So I, I'm not anti-prayer, I'm anti-mechanistic um, prayer, I think, or thinking mm -hmm. that it's magical thinking. Um, and I, I guess for me that that seems an important enough difference because otherwise we end up giving glory to prayer rather than glory to God. And to me, that seems again, if, if I'm giving glory to prayer, then that's really a way of patting myself on the back. Didn't I do a good job of praying hard enough, well enough, meaning it rather than God and God's goodness knows what I need. And it may even be that God is the one who inspires me to pray for my neighbor in the first place. I mean, like, I think there may be some clever stuff going on that way, that it's not just that uh, God will do the things when I bring things to God's attention. God may need to bring things to my attention and whispers in my ear through the spirit. You, you should probably bring this to God in prayer. <laughs> but I, 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 I guess I'm, I'm, I'm open to that, that pushback. Cause I, I get it that if, if you lean too hard on where Luther goes in the small catechism, mm -hmm. it can sound kind of like, therefore don't pray about anything because God's going to, and you're just like a, you're you're a negligible cog in the machine god's going to do what god's going to do anyway i i think it is the difference between what is our role in prayer and how do we view god's role in prayer mm -hmm. yeah like i am like my children are almost four and six and so they are definitely at the stage where if they want or need something they're going to keep asking for it until they get it like mm -hmm. you know my oldest who is six can't quite reach things to get himself a drink of water but like oh boy does he have a voice that can just keep saying mom i'm thirsty mom i'm thirsty mm -hmm. mom i'm thirsty and that's his job right he's six he literally cannot get himself a cup of water mm -hmm. right now he cannot safely reach it and we try to discourage the whole climbing on chairs to climb mm -hmm. up onto the counter to get the cup down like no so that's his job this is just 
keep saying, mom, I'm thirsty until mm -hmm. I get him a cup of water. Mm -hmm. That is his role right now. Yeah. And likewise, I think it's my role as somebody who prays to keep lifting up prayer petitions, whether it's for myself or for the world or for my children or, you know, whatever. Sure. <clears throat> but that doesn't mean that I should view God's role in this interaction that we're having right now as somebody who has to give me the thing mm -hmm. that I am asking for. And I, I think I would add even further that for you, when you give your kid a drink, you're not keeping tally in your head going like, mm, I need more emotion. So I need, you're going to have to give me a better delivery or I'm going when it's 10 times, then I will. But like, Probably you're even already aware. Well, it's been a while since I've had anything to drink. I bet they're going to be thirsty pretty soon. I'll wait till I ask because then I'll know they're actually thirsty. But like that it is not a matter of their the quality or quantity of their asking that makes you mm -hmm. generous. You are sure. determined to be generous. The only question is when in the flow of linear time is that goodness expressed as giving them the thing that they they ask for? And I think maybe that's that 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 maybe us circling around to saying the same thing from different vantage points here. That I'm yeah. I I'm absolutely on board sort of talking about God that way and that it is it, Jesus teaches us that we ought to pray and it is important to pray. The thing that Jesus seems to stop short of is saying it is the quality or quantity of your prayer that makes it efficacious rather than it's the character of the goodness of God so that I don't get to say, well, you got the thing you wanted. Therefore, the, the problem must be mm -hmm. with my praying uh, rather than your, if you got the thing you wanted, your prayer yeah. must have been more qualitative, you know, qualitatively better or something like that. So. I'm currently dealing with a situation with one of my parishioners where I, in some ways, I kind of wish that God worked more on a mechanical sense that you know, <laughs> if I prayed X amount of times for this certain outcome that we're mm -hmm. hoping for in the near future, um, that it would be guaranteed to me yeah, and, and to them. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I've been thinking about that because, you know, that, that tomorrow's a day you know, that all this is happening. And, um, but then as I've been thinking about that, especially t today, as we're recording, I'm like, I'm really glad I don't serve a God like that mm -hmm. because then that means my God can be manipulated. Well, right. You know, right, right. as, as much as I, you know, as much as I have spent hours on my knees praying for this individual and for their circumstance, you know, and hopes that things will turn out well for them tomorrow. Um, you know, that it could be for once and, yeah. um, and as hard as that might be, if that becomes the case, I, I have to trust that God's got a bigger plan in that for whatever reason. Um, cause I'd rather serve a God who I can ask a thousand times for a specific circumstance to happen and get the answer. No, mm -hmm. then Oh, if I ask a thousand times, I will be guaranteed a yes every time. Right, right, right. I, I guess because I think it's too... it might not be for me. You know, it might not be what is right. best for me or for the circumstance. You know, to get that yes because I prayed X amount yeah. of times or yeah. with so much effort or emotion or whatever. Yeah, I am reminded 
uh, of that passage in uh, Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, where the end, where he talks, and pretty quickly he sort of gives away, he's talking about himself, where he says, I had this thorn in the flesh, and we don't know exactly mm -hmm. what it is. Might have been uh, a malady, physical malady. Some people think it was blindness. Some people think it was a person in the church he didn't like. Um, but I was given this thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Um, and then he goes, I prayed three times to the Lord that it would be taken away from me. And I'm, I'm, I can only assume that means like at three different points in my life, not just like I prayed the sentence, God, take it away three times, like clicking your heels mm -hmm. together, like Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz. But like three times I prayed that it would be taken away from me. And God's response is, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And that leads Paul to this really important conclusion. Therefore, I'll boast all the more of my weakness. Um, and I, I, again, whatever our theology of prayer is, to me, it feels like it has to also be able to accommodate the Job story and the, the Paul story. That here's a guy who wants something that is, it's not a selfish thing. He's not praying for a dear God, give me a million dollars or God make me immortal or give me a unicorn or something like that. This thing that is causing me pain, could you take it away? Mm -hmm. And the fact that God's response to him is no, um, and not out of punishment, not like, no, I'm, you must suffer for your sin. But no, you don't see all the pictures. You don't, you don't see the picture from my vantage point. I've come with a different kind of power in your life that's made perfect in weakness. Whatever our theology of prayer has to be able to accommodate that. And I don't think the point of that story is that Paul says, if I would have prayed fourth, a fourth time, then God would have given me what I wanted. Or if I would have mastered technique differently, God would have given me what I wanted. But more, sometimes it's that's not how it works. And it's not even that we are praying for a bad or wrong or selfish thing. Sometimes it's, nope, that that's not what's going to happen. And I guess I think the fact that it's somebody who's uh, uh, in so many ways a hero of the faith, like Paul, and not someone who can make into a villain or a foil of you know a bad example. It's it's not Peter and one of his foot in his mouth moments. It's not um, Jacob scheming with God. Uh, it's not mm -hmm. a villain or something like that. It's Paul, um, who is the you know the the spokesperson for faith uh, in the New Testament. Um, who comes to that place of prayer isn't something where I can order something from God and God has to do it. Maybe that's the thing that makes this so uncomfortable for us to poke holes in is that like if we're if we're going to say that the the logic or the sentiment of if you would have prayed harder, you would have gotten the thing you wanted or the bad thing wouldn't happen. If we're going to poke holes in that, then we're forced to live in a world and recognize that things are beyond our control sometimes that sometimes things happen that. It wasn't that people didn't pray hard enough, or it wasn't that people didn't mean it hard enough, or it wasn't that we didn't do our part. Sometimes things are beyond our control. Um, and that's just uncomfortable, I think. And maybe maybe acknowledging that we are not the masters of the universe that we want to think we are. That's just an uncomfortable thought. We do like being in control. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know if any of you uh, ever read or saw the... Um, Douglas Adams' book, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. There's a scene early on where um, it becomes clear to the people in this pub that the world is going to end in about 10 minutes because alien spaceships are going to blow it up to make room for a hyperspace bypass. That's a conversation for another day. Um, but so there they are in this pub, and uh, the one visiting alien uh, says... Um, you know, uh, do whatever you want with it. He gives him a big tip and he's like, wow, why, why am I giving me all this money? So, you know, it doesn't matter. The world's going to end in 10 minutes. And he goes, really, you think the world's going to end? And yeah, I'm pretty sure of it. 
And he, and he says, well, is there anything we could do? Like put a paper bag over our head? And he goes, I, I guess you could. Will it help to put a paper bag over our head? No. <laughs> like there's just that, like, we don't like that. That's sometimes how the world mm-hmm. is, that there are terrible things that we can't prevent. We maybe can soften the blow or we can be prepared as well as we can, but there's some things that are beyond our control. And um, that when the bad things happen, we don't immediately go to somebody didn't pray hard enough. Somebody didn't do their part. And maybe the challenge for us then as leaders of faith communities, of congregations, is to not let that become sort of a cynicism in the direction of where I was headed of like, uh, therefore don't pray. And I, and I, I mm-hmm. let me go on record. I'm not a don't pray kind of person. I'm not anti-prayer. But to say I'm I'm so concerned about prayer becoming, treating treating it like it's, it's a magic totem or something like that. Uh, but I, I also, I don't want us to become people who say, well, it doesn't matter what we do or say anyway, so we shouldn't pray. We should be people who pray. But in the same way, for me, in the mindset of why do you have a conversation with people you care about? Not just to get stuff from them, but sometimes it's also you need to talk things through with them. How do I prepare for the thing that's going to happen? Or uh, just because we need to vent stuff. But prayer is more than just demanding stuff from God. Also, because this phrase is often used after a bad event. Mm-hmm. Perhaps maybe instead of saying this thing that is laden with guilt of you Mm -hmm. didn't do enough, try saying something that will actually bring comfort. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, care for the other person or yourself. Like if this is something you're directing at yourself, maybe recognize that you yourself need comfort and Mm -hmm. that this phrase actually doesn't bring comfort. Yeah. Yeah. And and that may be a place where prayer is helpful after the bad thing has happened. So instead of, well, if you would have prayed better, it wouldn't have happened. But now the terrible thing has happened. This is something we should bring to God in prayer because we're really struggling with how mm-hmm. to make sense of it. And like, I think that that's the, the helpful piece, not to treat prayer as a magic shield. If I say it enough in advance, the bad thing won't happen. But sometimes after the bad thing happens, how do I make sense of this, God? Um, and I, I guess I think that that reality that that is exactly what the psalmists do so often in the book of psalms you know that how many how many Mm -hmm. laments are there where the bad thing has happened and they don't immediately go to beating themselves up with if i would have prayed better i know you wouldn't have brought the bad thing but more like god what do i do with this bad thing that happened or you know i've tried to be faithful and now that my enemies are surrounding me what am i going to do um and to me that all suggests uh an honest and authentic theology of prayer is able to to deal with when the bad thing happens. I need God, you need to help me make sense of this or deal with it. Not I'm using this preventatively like a vaccine against tragedy. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling as we go further on in this series of things that aren't in the Bible, that a lot of the things that we want to imagine are in the Bible are going to be various cases of magical thinking. <laughs> um, and that what God repeatedly refuses to be is a magical prop uh, wielded mm-hmm. by uh, the the pious or the powerful. Um, but that's going to mean we have to live in a world that's messier and more mysterious uh, than uh, magical thinking would allow. So that's the conversation we're headed in the rest of this series. And we hope that in the future weeks, you'll join us for more explorations of things that maybe we thought were in the Bible and turn out not to be. And what does it actually mean? So join us next time here on Crazy Faith Talk. See y'all. Bye.